Welcome to See Me After Class. This is a podcast by two New Zealand secondary school teachers based in the Southern Alps of New Zealand. We operate out of classrooms that look out over the most stunning mountain ranges in the bottom of the South Island. And it's my pleasure to introduce Renee Plunkett, who is a fourth year English teacher. And sitting here with me is Chris War, a teacher with 17 years under his belt from both overseas and here in New Zealand. And Renee, apart from being a teacher, is also an avid gardener. And Chris also enjoys triathlon. This podcast is about the day-to-day realities and joys and sometimes horrors of our teaching experience in the classroom. So we invite you to listen in and we invite you to give us feedback on what you hear. This is... See me after class. Welcome along to See Me After Class. This is Term 3, Week 10 and Episode 27. Good morning, Renee. Hello, Chris. Welcome to the school holidays. Oh, I know. It's just an amazing feeling of relief, isn't it, to have finally (laughs) made it here. You know, on the first day of the school holidays, because we're recording this a couple of days in, I was in bed until 3pm, and I'm pretty sure I slept for about 15 hours. It was awesome. Oh my good! I can't even imagine, I mean, I've got to be honest, I can't imagine what being in 3pm bed until 3pm would even be like, like... How did you do that? Well, given that you grew up on a farm, I'm pretty sure that you would be excommunicated from your family if they found out (laughs) you'd been in bed till three. But it reminds me of pretty much how I used to live as a teenager. Kind of get up at three and go to bed at four. (laughs) And you can see that's kind of still part of my habits. So I was quite tired, though. Um, Mm. Our last week was quite a big one. Quite a few things happened, so I've, let's review that week, shall we? What yes. happened for you in the last week of the term? Well, I guess I have to start at the beginning of the week with um, my interview for the role of Dean, um, yes. and I guess before I start talking about that, I should explain to you what happened in the interview. Um, I started off my interview by playing a short clip of Voices um, from our, our student students' voices, speaking about what it is they um, think a dean should be or what a great dean does for students. And I guess we could play that clip for you right now so you know what it is that we're going to be talking about. Someone that's really easy to talk to and like you feel you can be honest to. Someone that respects the students and understands their choices. Oh, <laughs> someone who's proactive when I need support. Someone who's approachable to all students. A good dean is someone who cares about their mental health as well as their grades. Um, I think a good dean is someone who's approachable and can like um, communicate information well. Like understanding the life of a teenager. Passionate about the well-being of the students and like uh, quick to solve a problem if there is one. Like with their uh, health and mental well-being. Someone who cares about their students. Um, someone that focuses on like the positives that the year level is doing rather than just the negatives. Someone who is kind. Someone who the students can talk to. Impartial. Um, 
so anyway, I I collected these voices and um, sat in my interview and, and uh, it, it went really well, I felt. And I think the their voices um, made up a big part of what it is that I was trying to come back to and that was the, the importance of the teacher-student relationship and, and how... Um, when you invest in that, you're investing in the kids. So that was how my week started on Monday. And um, yeah, it was a good experience for me, I think. Well, that's so interesting, isn't it? The voices of those students about what they value in a dean was, while diverse, essentially just saying one thing. And it so reinforces the way that I feel about the work we do. Yes, Mm. you and I both have massive interest in our pedagogy we're very interested in our subject area we're always trying to increase our expertise there but underpinning that and I do mean underpinning not just as a cliche but as a as a fundamental reality Mm. underneath all of that kind of knowledge and and uh, skill in teaching is just the relationship you build with the students and the need that they have that we treat them with kindness and that they feel secure. And obviously that is so true. We both know it. When you want to take risks, you have to first feel as if you're in a safe and secure environment. But I must say that the the fact that they're so clear in their desire for that either suggests they're very self-aware and know exactly what they need, or perhaps there's a bit of a deficit of that in our work. Mm. Mm, absolutely they were very decisive with the question as well like they knew I had I, I I've been really transparent with my classes and my students about going for this role um, because I think that one of the ways that we sort of teach them how to be in the world mm. is to show them what we do and that yep. we go for things um, is they, they knew exactly what they wanted to say and many of them wanted to say it like this is I didn't have time to get all of their voices but they we all got the chance to talk about it which was a really nice conversation for me before going in um, but also yeah. like you said really um, affirming for the way that we work you know this is what is at the very core of our of our day-to-day lives, I guess, at school. It's the relationships that we have with our students, you know, and, and knowing yeah. that they place as much importance on it as we do is, is oh, it's so reassuring to know. I, I agree. At the same time, after these years of teaching, I absolutely do know that what sits underneath my ongoing success with students in terms of their learning outcomes is actually the relationship. Mm. Over the years, I've got a lot better with the pedagogy and I believe I deliver a better outcome for them than I used to, not because I've improved the relationships, but because on top of having a strong relationship, you also have to know what you're doing. But Mm. I do imagine that even in those early years where I did have a good impact on students, it was simply because the students felt good about themselves in the classroom. And that has to be the starting point. In fact, it's quite interesting that you did that little uh, interview of a number of students for your application. I did a presentation just before I left London about what I thought was fundamental in teaching. And Mm. as part of that, I recorded a few of my students' opinion Ah. on the same matter. (laughs) So I've got exactly the same little compendium of student voices. And in fact, it's a video. So what I think I'll do is insert it um actually i'm going to play you those those voices now the most important thing uh, that the teacher can do is have a good relationship with students because if a teacher has a good relationship with students there is this element called trust and if there's 
If someone will trust students, will trust their teachers to do anything, and the teacher will trust the student in anything. I think that one of the most important elements that a teacher-student relationship should have is respect so that we can treat each other with um, kindness, but we're not friends, but we um, act friendly towards each other and so that we can be treated like adults. I think what makes a, a teacher-student relationship complete is when the, when the teacher believes in the student to do well and whatever happens in the past to cancel out and to, to let them do well and to believe in them. The thing I feel is most important between a student and a teacher is to have a good relationship. They shouldn't just be getting you the best grades, but you should be able to allow them and talk to them in times of trouble. And apart from their gorgeous accents, aren't they exactly saying the same thing? And I'll put, I'll put that video and a link to this podcast as well in case anyone wants to go and see those beautiful faces. Man, I miss those students. But look at the coherence and the message mm. from students about what they need from us. I'm confident they're not saying that they don't need us to be skilled practitioners, but what they are saying is that before that happens we first yeah. need to be able to look after their little hearts yeah completely I completely agree and actually thinking about this it takes me back to my first year of teaching um yeah which is coming up oh it's like four years ago now um and <laughs> the the I think the reason I had success in my classroom was because I knew I like building relationships with the with the students was something I could do yeah. um and and I was still fumbling my way a little bit through the curriculum and the assessment and all of those sorts of things but at the end of the day I knew I could work with that the groups of students in my classrooms because I could talk to them and they there were things that we could relate with and they could as some of your students in your clip Chris have pointed out they could trust my word on things and I think yeah. that that um it totally, it, it does, like, we, like we've just said before, it underpins everything we do. Yes, and, and so a couple of questions that I've got for you, and obviously mm. we're being all dramatic and withholding the <laughs> outcome the of reveal. that interview, but before we do go to that, I'm, I'm interested in um, knowing how the interview panel responded to you presenting that as mm. such a priority. Mm. Well, they responded well to it. Um, and when I started playing my clip, um, there were a lot of, uh, there were a couple of smiles <laughs> right, and a few good. nods and things. And, um, you know, one person said that they were trying to pick, um, in amongst listening to the messages, trying to pick the, who the students were. And, um, the thing they said to me was that they could hear how genuine the students were interacting with me on this question. Mm. Um, and they could hear that this wasn't me standing there prodding them into saying something that this was simply obviously the way that I worked which was I was really pleased that they recognized that that's um, actually true isn't it that being mm. able to ask students to speak authentically in itself shows that you have some Absolutely. form of relationship with them and uh, yeah. actually I was thinking also and you mentioned this last week that the choice to go in with the voices of the students has a couple of other aspects that are worth highlighting one is that you're becoming really skilled with um managing audio <laughs> I am and I edited this together myself I didn't yeah. need I just it was so great um yeah. yes and the other yes. thing is that um part of the yours and my practice 
that we're trying to really work on is not is not using the word student voice, which is a term that's used often in education these days and starts to, as a result, has started to irritate me. But <laughs> we are actually trying wherever we can to listen to the point mm. of view that students have on the things we're doing. And that's a kind of a manifestation of that, which I think is... I know a part of the sort of education language these days, but I don't actually see a great deal of it happening in our school in a form where the students' opinions are actually having any impact on the choices mm. that are made. And so Absolutely. you're doing that, and, it, and I think you, can sh- you were showing that, which is pretty awesome. Yes, and I set it up that way. When I walked into the room, I explained that ah. um, I actually used, I didn't use the word student voice in there. I, I said when I want to know oh, something, good. I have a, I have a <laughs> conversation because yes. I think, Chris, that's what we're doing. We're talking to them. We're listening to them. Mm. Um, but we're also not sitting there passively waiting for their answers. We're engaging in conversations with them. And I think that's so much more valuable. And we get, they feel heard when, when we do that, when we respond to what it is that they're saying with them. And it becomes a conversation yes. because, you know, it's not just a form that they're filling in to say, oh, I liked this, I didn't like that, and the teacher was this, and the teacher's that. It's actually... Um, which you know, tends to go how, into a vacuum. <laughs> I know, I know. Gosh, how many forms do we fill in every week? I know, um, and that's the thing that I'm quite important. I think it's quite important that we remember is that if you ask a question that has some meaning to a student or anyone else, then it's pretty vital that you then take action on that, that they see mm. that their answer to the question was Absolutely. somehow important to the asker and that we um, do something as a result, even if it's just reporting back on the decision-making process, even if the decision mm. doesn't go in accord with their view. And I've been trying very hard to do that in the classroom, you know, making undertakings clear and then holding myself to account for ensuring mm. I deliver on those undertakings. Or if I don't, being honest about that and acknowledging mm. my own fallibility, I think those things have got to happen a lot more how do the students respond to that when you own up and say oh hey guys I set this um say it's a deadline I set this deadline for myself and I've tried my absolute best to get there but this and this and this has kind of gotten in my way how do they respond to you when you maybe say something like that you can't answer that for yourself because you've probably never missed a deadline but (laughs) but I can because I have and I um what I find really good about it is that they don't try and make you feel better and at the same time they don't uh, show any particular anger. So mm-hmm. if I say, uh, I, I know last term I was a day late on a deadline for giving marks back to students. So they, I, I set a deadline for myself with them and they would have expected those results on that day and I didn't get it done. And the main reason was simply I went to bed rather than finishing the work. And so that was the only explanation I could offer. So I just gave that explanation and they just nodded. They acknowledged. They also know, and I know as well, that them sort of going to bed doesn't excuse them from missing a deadline that I set for them. So we talked about the difference between those two things. And it was they were very fair and they, they also appreciated that Um, that I was acknowledging that there was a difference in the way that the deadlines were handled Mm, and that that mm. and that and that partly that had to do with the power imbalance between us which is why I was wanting to discuss it because I didn't want to be to appear to be a hypocrite to them Mm. interesting I think by being transparent with them like that it just it goes back to it builds that trust with them like they can 
relate and understand that we are um, human and sometimes we miss things or we get things wrong or um, yeah I think I think it goes a long way to building those relationships that we've just been talking about when when you stand in front of a class and own yeah. up to something and have those really honest conversations with them because I think that's know. where the trust comes from actually yeah. because there if you you have it's easy to 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 just say things that are easy for the students to hear but if you if you have a difficult conversation with them and you're honorable in that conversation they start to trust your word they know you're yes. able to say the difficult thing and also, if you don't make excuses for yourself, then you you have it's important for your credibility, I think. And and I believe first personally that my credibility with students is fundamental to my functioning with them. Like if I'm if my word's going to have any credence, and if they're gonna, if I'm going to be able to have any influence over them, then I have to be credible. And that means mm. that I you know one thing that I mustn't be as hypocritical in my actions and words. And sometimes. That requires negotiation because you can appear hypocritical if you're not careful. Mm, absolutely. So I guess I can try and break the suspense a little bit now and tell you the outcome of my interview, which I found out on Friday afternoon. Mm -hmm. um, so they took, what, five days to get back to you? Yes. So there was a bit of, I think, there were a few people who have applied for a couple of different positions that are being advertised and interviewed for in the school at the moment. And so they were trying to line up with that. Right. Um which I think timelines shifted slightly and they haven't managed to. But anyway, they did come and um, grab me from my, my uh, social time with the staff on Friday afternoon, which right. in one way I was happy to have the conversation, which they did face to face. And I appreciate that. I appreciate being given that time. Mm. Um, on the other hand, I was quite enjoying sitting out with some of my colleagues and having a nice end of term catch up. But um, I I did not get the role of senior house dean this time around. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, it is a little bit of a side moment. And I think, I mean, I've talked to a few people about this, Chris, you being one of them already. And I had prepared myself to be really disappointed. Mm. Um, and quite emotional because that's my uh, go-to reaction for, for a lot of things is to, to be emotional mm. but I um, I've been thinking things through quite a lot and my initial um, lack of emotion at the whole situation of being let down like this surprised me somewhat and I thought oh it'll kick in somewhere I'll feel disappointed tomorrow or the next day but actually, I just haven't. I, I just have this quite calm, very um, objective view of the whole thing, I think. And I think a big part of that is because I went into this preparing myself in that way. Um, and I went into it thinking that this was uh, going to be a long shot, I guess, given some of the disappointments we've faced at school before. Mm. And... I feel like that has helped me to be in this place where I feel fine. I feel actually quite good about what I'm looking at next year. Um, and and this role doesn't make or break my year next year, I guess. Um, I, I'm feeling quite good about it in that sense. Well, I can only say that they've missed out on an awesome opportunity and obviously haven't apprehended that opportunity properly. And I don't think that's for want of you being able to show them what the opportunity that you present is. And I'm sure the person who got the job is 
absolutely magnificent because they would have to be to get the job <laughs> over you. And the um, and at the same time, I, I, I my only fear, and I've got to admit this, is that if you don't see a pathway to develop and progress where you are with us now, we will lose you. And so I'm mm. not going to have you talk about that. I'm just expressing my fears. And that's what happens in this education world. The, although this town only has one secondary school, there are wonderful opportunities in education everywhere. And if you don't f see those opportunities where you are now, I see no problem with looking further afield. At the same time, personally, I'll be heartbroken <laughs> if you do that. I know. It's okay. We can still talk every week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. If you go, this is not stopping. <laughs> this isn't stopping. <laughs> yeah. There's been something else that I've kind of come to realize over the last couple of weeks, though. Now, this is kind of diverging slightly, I guess. But um, this, this podcast, this time together, um, has become kind of something that can endure long past wherever either of us ends up, I think. It's, it's, it's so nice to know that, I think. Yes, it is nice. That's one of the wonders of digital technology. I, people are mm. so down on new media at the moment. And I, keep, I, I do want to say a word on new media, like what Go we're doing it. right now and what you're listening to right now, this insight into the everyday lives of a couple of teachers in southern New Zealand is only, has only come about because of the internet and new media and I cannot see the harm in what's going on here I know <laughs> Renee and I both gain a lot professionally from just having these conversations scheduled once a week I think it's mm. almost therapeutic for us so uh, we hope Definitely. that you as <laughs> listeners are, are gaining something from sort of having uh, being a fly on the wall on our mutual therapy sessions but <laughs> I, uh, the, the, there is an enormous amount of opportunities to communicate ourselves to the world in this modern media environment when I look back you know to my childhood when I was that lonely gay kid without a single other gay person mm. in any aspect of my world and how I felt so trapped in this alien environment I would have loved to have had the internet and some form of contact with people who are more like me and I do remember when the internet did did come into existence when I was at university and there was this thing called Usenet and I have to I had to go into the computer science building and use their mainframe to access the uh, the early form of the internet and and there was message boards on there and some of them had uh, communities of gay people I mean honestly this was like a revelation in my life and um, that that has come to around to being a part, of the, a part of the mainstream world. And I know people see the harms that the internet does, bullying, uh, mm. not, not being able to verify the facts of the news, but I could play you some clips from the mainstream news when homosexual law reform was happening in 1986 that are as vile as anything you'd find on Twitter. And, I can, and, I, and the difference was there was no counter-narrative in those days, whereas these days at least there's more than one voice out there. So I do not think that the internet invented bullying. I think it was mm. always there and often quite inescapable. So while I don't think that these things are uh, should be ignored, I don't think it's the medium that we've got the concern about. I think we have to look at ourselves, our relationships, mm. and our society. So, sorry, I've really digressed, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I think, it's I think I'll keep that in. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you do. Mm. Um, I think it was, I mean, 
I, I stand on the same page um, as you with my thoughts around media and the use of technology these days. And I guess maybe uh, part of that comes from having grown up with it at my fingertips. Like I've always had it and I've always, um, yeah. I mean, it's always been a platform that I've used to engage with people socially um, as well. Like I've never uh, seen it as something that we really hide behind, I suppose, unless um, it's mm. used in the wrong way. But I think you're right, it's it's the people and it's our society and the relationships that ultimately determines how any form of media is used. Mm. Um, you know, there is throughout history so many examples of people using media to um, sway or or change an entire nation and, and for the for the worst you could say, for yeah. sure. Um, it's not just this day and age. Um, That's right. Well and, we've got yeah. the you know, that old um Soviet publication called Absolutely. Pravda which is yeah. the word for truth and then they had the same thing in the UK and in New Zealand the uh, newspaper called The Truth which was no less full of propaganda than <laughs> Pravda yeah. was that was all happening in the 20th century before internet existed it's uh, human beings are going to always have that desire to manipulate and control yeah. and so I mean our work is partly to build up in these young people not just the skills as English teachers but also the personal disposition to mm. seek truth and hold each other to moral account and actually that's what mm. we've been talking about in our whole podcast today. I don't want to it sound is. like I've glossed over the fact that you didn't get this job. I think because we have discussed it I sort of I guess I, I maybe will sound like I am in the podcast, but I guess we do need to pause for a second and just say when you're working in an environment and you apply for a promotion within that environment, which is something that happens frequently in teaching, and then you have to go back into that environment mm. and carry on, it's tough. And there are, mm. there are things that you need to do to kind of manage that process. And mm. I, I could offer some advice, actually, which would be... Yeah. Um, obviously probably unnecessary, but the um, the point of view I take on this is that you've done it perfectly by sharing with us and also with your students that you were planning to apply for the job and their colleagues know, And but it does make this next step a little more difficult because mm. now you have to uh, communicate the disappointing result to all of those people. And I agree with you that by doing that, you're helping them to navigate through their world and to see how things like this happen. And also actually just simply giving them an opportunity to manage a situation where someone reports bad news and how do you mm. respond mm. when someone does that, which teenage, yeah, it's the sort of thing teenagers actually really struggle with, particularly in relation to adults. And um, so you're providing them, uh, and, and this is the advice sort of to encapsulate mm. it, is that I find in, as a teacher that by functioning as an educator through some of these personal aspects of my life, I've actually, it's a, it's a brilliant way of managing these personal aspects of my life. Mm. Like, like communicating authentically about my disappointments to my students keeps, it's a, uh, if you're going to do that professionally, then you have to keep put some pretty strict boundaries around it. And it allows you to kind of put it into perspective because you mm. must do that for them. And that yeah. whole process for me, I think is, a very healthy internal process because you're not going to them for support because that would be inappropriate and you're not seeking their sympathy or even for them to have an opinion. You're simply reporting your experience. And yes. so I, I think that, you know, I would encourage you to stay in that place, maintain that nice professional distance at the same time as allowing them to use this experience of yours as a learning experience. And I do 
that that'd be my advice is go ahead and do that I think it's a an excellent way of doing things my um cv is online and I always <laughs> send it to students who are asking advice on writing cvs not because I want them to know necessarily my whole personal and work history but really just so that they can see that other people who they see in the world have to prepare these documents and how mm. they might do it mm, absolutely it's um yeah, I think I think you're right. I I, 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 I always enjoy having get hearing your, your advice and the way that you handle these things because it helps me to form my own um, mm. my own method and my own ways as well. But I think uh, I'm already on the same page as you there. I want to use like I, I know that it's gonna uh, a little bit for me personally, it's going to be um, it's not going to be easy to tell the students that I didn't get the job because I know that some of them were really rooting for me, which is so, so nice. But um, just maintain, like using it as something that they can learn from and, and maintaining those boundaries professionally and keeping it as something that I'm, I am just simply reporting back that this is what happened team and, and this is how I'll move forward um, is, is kind of how I thought I would go about um, dealing with that next Two Mondays from now, because you know mm. we're not <laughs> we're not back at school for another two weeks. But except um, for the legions of students who listen to this podcast, who you yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> hi team, sorry. Um, yeah, no, they yeah. There's actually quite a few of them now. It's triggered my yes. mind in that direction. Um, I actually need to apologise. I've bought a new dishwasher and installed it, and I'm really proud of myself. But I, ha- I it's actually just washing about a handful of dishes because. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because of course I just bought it and I wanted to want to see it you go through a cycle. But then I had to pause it for this, and I didn't realise. But while it's paused, it, it seems to beep like yeah. once a minute, and it must be driving you crazy. But I, I couldn't figure out what the beeping was. Yeah, to be honest. I've been well, sitting here trying to figure it out, and now I know. <laughs> well, it's the dishwasher paused in the background. <laughs> oh. Um. I'm surprised you brought it. Didn't you just fix your dishwasher the other day? Shush. Just shush. (laughs) I'm not going to have to explain the whole thing because it makes it sound like I didn't fix it. (laughs) I did did fix the dishwasher and it wasn't the other day. It was last holidays. And um, the... And what the the okay? I'm going to tell you the whole thing. I'm going to tell it okay. as quickly as I can. The the um, detergent dispenser broke on the previous dishwasher. There was a little bit of a plastic latch that broke on it. So I went online, found the model of the dishwasher, which by the way was called a Nemo, and um, <laughs> which I found <laughs> extremely cute. And then um, found that you could buy new replacement parts still because it's. Uh, our local brand Fisher and Paykel and I um, so I bought the replacement part I think it cost something like you know $97.60 or you know what replacement parts always cost odd figures so I bought it and dismantled the dishwasher and installed the, the detergent dispenser and then the next week, the door latch broke. <laughs> and honestly, it's completely oh unrelated. But seriously, it made me realize that the dishwasher is about 10 years, no, 20 years old. was sort of reaching the end of its useful life. And I, yeah. I had to then decide, do I? I could have gone and I, the, the replacement part for the door latch would have cost about $156. And I had to decide, do I spend another $156 on this dishwasher? 
or do I, do I replace, replace it? it? So mm-hmm. I went uh, the second time round. I've been, I mean, I'm feeling very frustrated with having a dishwasher that's got a brand new detergent dispenser that I've just now taken <laughs> out. But anyway, I couldn't, I couldn't throw more money at it. So we ended up getting a new one. And so there you go. I, I, I did actually fix it. I promise. Did you get the same model as the last one you had? I feel like that's something you would do. It would be something I would do if you could do that. But actually, oh. but we have got one that's very similar. Except obviously okay. it's a bit more sophisticated because now it yeah. beeps when it's paused. And um, <laughs> yeah, and and because of that, I mean, I'm I think I'm having to justify this to you so much because Ivan doesn't trust me to fix these things. He thinks I'm a he thinks, he thinks I'm an idiot who just thinks who thinks he knows how to fix things but actually can't. And so I think he's quite convinced that the the failure of the last dishwasher was my was fault. You. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so good. And I think he's also slightly annoyed that I chose to install this one as well. <laughs> Oh, well, we'll, uh, we'll hold our breath to hear if this one, you know, maintains its working order. Yes, I hope that it. beeping is because it's paused and not yeah, for some I other reason. So what are you doing good. for the holidays? Right, well, I'm currently sitting in my parents' kitchen. Um, they live just out of Christchurch, so I'm up in the beautiful Canterbury Plains for a few days before I journey to my um, in-laws' place. We're on a Marie Kondo mission. Um, oh. If you've watched her on Netflix, she's so no, I inspiring. Haven't. <laughs> I haven't watched her, but I've, it's always been my philosophy, so she's yeah, just stolen exactly. my idea. Oh, she's so. My classroom upset. is like that. Actually, oh, in fact, I think we, our, our, our whole podcast started on this subject, and now <laughs> you're doing it. My classroom's not cluttered. It's <laughs> it well is so. It's completely full of stuff. Like everywhere you look, there is. In fact, I don't know what color the wall is in your classroom. Oh, get out! <laughs> <laughs> my classroom's very empty at the moment, though, because I had to take it all down for exams. Ah, uh, yes. Always stings a little bit, actually. And then the kids walk in and they're like, what happened in here? Like, what? why is it all uh, yes. here? And they Have can't... you got a photograph of your classroom before that? Probably, somewhere. Let's put those photos with this podcast. I'll, I've got a photograph of the only thing on the wall in my classroom. And um, <laughs> you can send a photograph of the walls of yours. How does that sound? Yeah, I'll see if I've got some. If I don't, I've definitely got, you know... Um, Oh, yeah, I'll see if I've got some. Cool. Um, anyway, we're off to do. We're off to Maria Kondo, my in-laws' house, mm-hmm. which is going to be interesting because they've been there for a long time now. And my mother-in-law um, likes to keep a lot of things, so we'll work with them on that. <laughs> and yeah. then we're coming back to Wanaka, and I am going to spend a second week horizontal. Relax oh, in my garden. Like me on Saturday. It's yeah. so good. Oh, it's so good. I'm going to get I feel, my book. I feel like a new person. Sun. Oh, yeah. I bet you do. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, so that's going to be me. What are you doing? So, apart from time spent horizontal, I'm also going with the Tri Club to the junior tour of Southland we're doing a cycling race as a club there's a whole lot of us going down to Invercargill and it's a three-day stage race there'll be six races across those three days very excited we've trained hard for this you have uh, yeah it's quite um, it's an international event our students don't expect necessarily to 
place or anything like that but Mm -hmm. even just to be part of it's going to be an awesome experience so we're really looking forward to it it's been quite interesting no no other schools enter into this as schools although there are obviously a lot of school-aged people in it and um, as a result it's been interesting doing the organization because the the requirements of taking a school trip and there's a lot of paperwork required yes. not only on my part but also they have to supply paperwork about their ah. event in order for us to be able to legitimately enter things like yeah. their risk assessments and things like that and um they just didn't have them for us and as a result our the, the whole trip while it's been organized for quite a while has sort of been remained unapproved and it's quite interesting interacting oh. with outside of education when you're when you're dealing with things like that like risk assessment and all of that sort of thing is a big part of any action with a child outside mm, of the classroom mm, mm. and and we take it for granted that other organizations sort of get that but they don't all mm. Mm. Oh, interesting well um, yeah. I, I can't say i'm surprised that you're going away with a group of students again in the holidays no, um. no. Uh, <laughs> that's right it's actually a better time to do it isn't it because you can yeah. do it and then you can have your own time and it doesn't like exactly. I, I don't really have time in the weekends to spend the whole weekend with the kids as well as no. trying to keep up with my job. So it's um it's good. It's going to be great. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Although I know that Ivan literally said to me this morning, "You're never at home," <laughs> which I, which is which is something Very I must true. pay attention to. Yes, yeah. I think you need to listen to him. Yeah. Oh, I, oh well, I, I, hope- I did. I didn't say, but I got you a dishwasher. <laughs> You need to spend some time with him these holidays. You yep. need to do something, you know. Yeah, Hanging right. out, just the two of you. <laughs> that's right, we definitely do. <laughs> he, Which, he needs some time, clearly. <laughs> yeah, he definitely does. And I don't think it's going to involve picking up the uh, branches Dishwasher. from my pruning six weeks ago <laughs> 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 off the grass so that I can mow it. It'll be something better than that. I hope so, yeah. yeah. But no, oh well... It sounds like, you know, we're both going to have some nice time to ourselves these holidays and also slightly busy times. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And then we'll be back for term four, which is a very interesting term. And with all of our senior classes going into the external exams quite early on. Yes. Plus lots of social events too. Oh, yes. Tell me about it. We've only got our seniors for three weeks of next term, which is a slightly daunting thought because really that three weeks is only two weeks because of all the numerous interruptions that happen in those three weeks yeah um so there's a lot to be done (laughs) there is definitely a lot to be done and also there'll be the goodbyes and Mm. then also i'd be interesting we'll be able to comment on our school's prize giving which is happening before the exams so you Mm. can see you know that tells you everything you need to know about our school yes it does yeah i don't even feel like let's let's have the end of year prize giving in the the middle of the year (laughs) The Leavers dinner, though, that's going to be one to remember this year, I think, Chris. Well, we're actually managed. Which, uh, Charlotte and I would consider this probably to be one of our best achievements, is that we've managed to get the school to agree to having the Leavers dinner yes. after the end of the exams. So that's pretty awesome. And yeah, I think it'll excited. be pretty special. Yeah. All right. Yeah, but that's yeah. probably good for us now. Um, in fact, so. this was going yeah. to be a short conversation, but it's just gone on and on. It must be the oh, holidays. It's funny that. It's typical. Yeah. Um, no, I think we should call it and I think we should go in and we should enjoy this free time that we all of a sudden have. Yeah, let's do that. And see everybody yeah. else in a few weeks' time. Yeah, see you later. Bye. This was an episode of See Me After Class with Renee and Chris. 
My Twitter handle is at edutronic underscore net. And mine is at Renee Plunkett too. See you next week. <laughs>